0: Good evening. It's really good to be here. Um, thank you to Matthew for praying. What a waste of time. We could be doing so many better things with our evenings than being here for me to tell you not to steal. Who steals? I don't steal. You don't steal. You never will. Get down, you absolute chancer. I know for a fact that is what some of you are thinking. Let me encourage you. Don't switch off. These commandments are given to us by God and um, they're for us to to teach us how to live and how to live well and they're really important so let's pray and ask god for his help as we look at this commandment together father we want to be people who love you and people who love your commandments lord as we just explore this commandment now we ask that you would give us wisdom in understanding in seeing how we feel in this area and father we pray that you would show us jesus who is absolutely perfect in keeping every one of your commands. Father, give us a desire to want to hear what you have to say to us and give us a desire to live how you want us to live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, picture the scene. It's 1963. We're in California. Bank heist about to happen. Man walks into the bank, goes up to the desk. Slams his fist down the desk, everybody stops talking. Everybody looks at him, the scene is set. And he demands the woman behind the, the counter to give him all the money. He says, empty the, the safety deposit back box into this rucksack. And she says, absolutely not. No way am I doing that. And he slams his fist down again and says, empty it now. She says, no, no way. And he says, I've got a gun. And I will shoot you if you don't empty it. So she says, "Mm, maybe, I don't know. I I I really don't think I should do this. So what does he do? He takes out his hand and he gets his two fingers like this and his thumb like this and he points it at her. No gun. And on realising this, the the big burly security guard bails over, grabs him, sticks him on the ground and he's arrested. Dumb, foolish thief, wasn't he? Stupid thief. We're going to see this evening. Probably the the most foolish type of thief is actually the one who doesn't think they're stealing. The most foolish thieves are those who don't think they're actually robbing anybody. And we think this commandment is just for criminals. Of course it is, but in a way, that's exactly what we are. So we're going to put this commandment in the hot seat, and we're going to throw some questions at it. We're going to throw three questions number one why does god give us this commandment number two what does god forbid and number three what then does god require of you last night at yf uh Myles, i was sitting beside miles jenkinson uh, and i said to him just to test him miles why do you think this commandment is important why should we not steal and he, he looked at me like this and he kind of went Phew. And i was thinking right here's a here's a really good answer coming and I looked at Caleb and Daniel and they got really clued in. They were like, yeah, okay. And Miles was like, Phew, and he kind of scratched Brian. He looked at me and goes, well, I suppose it's a good thing, isn't it? And I thought, yeah, it is a good thing, but there is so much more to this commandment than just that. It's good not to steal, but ultimately stealing is a failure to trust God's provision. It's a failure to trust God's provision. You'll notice that this commandment is very clear and straight to the point. You shall not steal. It's a bit like the murder commandment we thought about two weeks ago. And the reason why it doesn't tell us who we shouldn't steal from, the reason why it doesn't it tells us it doesn't tell us who what we shouldn't steal, sorry. The reason why it doesn't it tells us when we shouldn't steal or why we shouldn't steal or by what means we shouldn't steal is because of this, you will not steal anything from anyone at any time for any reason, (laughs) because everything in this world belongs to God, and stealing is a sin against him. And really what it says is, "I, I am not going to trust that you will provide for me. So I need to go and take from others. And Jesus tells us that stealing is a heart problem. This is what he says in Matthew 15. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. So God gives us this commandment because stealing is a sin against him. That reveals the state of our hearts. That we just don't trust him. And that is really serious because it dishonors God. Second reason why uh, stealing, we're planning not to steal is because stealing seriously harms people made in the image of God and shows that we don't love them or care for them. If you remember, uh, uh, quite a few weeks ago now, Ben Shackleton was here, and he was uh, speaking on um, honoring uh, your mother and father, and he told us that, we have some commandments that are about vertical relationships between us and God, and, and then some are about our horizontal relationships. And, and this commandment speaks about our horizontal relationships. It's the relationships we have with friends, family, classmates, really any random geezer, just everyone in the street. And Paul, in Romans 13, 9, talks about the importance of this commandment. He's writing about what it means to be an obedient Christian. Listen to what he says. Follow along so you get the importance of this. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law wonder if you've ever been stolen from, maybe you've been broken into. I had a few mates who were stolen from in their uni house uh, just last year. Um, a PlayStation was, was taken, a few MacBooks, a lot of money. These boys, if you knew them, they're absolute idiots, and they didn't actually know how to lock their front door, so this could really have easily been avoided. They would have all gone to class, all go to bed, back door open, front door open. But nevertheless, they felt violated, They felt insecure. And if you've been stolen from, you will have felt the same way. You will have felt helpless. Because stealing is a loveless act that says, I don't care about you. My interests are paramount. My interests, me, I am the most important thing in the world. And stealing harms people made in God's image, by showing that we just don't love or care for them. So that's number one, why it's important to sin against God that reveals the state of our hearts and it harms others. Number two, what does God forbid? Firstly, the eighth commandment forbids outright theft and robbery. It forbids stealing and taking extra fries at the McDonald's drive through window. It forbids breaking into Buckingham Palace and lifting the crown. It forbids guzzling down the wee Barneys veg soup with bread special and getting up and walking out and without paying for it. It forbids stealing butter to a port cabin It forbids all forms of taking possessions that aren't yours. Why? Because if everyone you just could just take, there would be absolute utter chaos. Think about that, that Black Friday, those Black Friday scenes in Tesco's. You know the one where you see all the, the smicks beating each other off, over the head to see who gets the toaster? Those ones, absolute catastrophe. Theft and robbery shows how selfish people's hearts are. And it dishonours God because it's rebellion against him. Hands up if you've ever watched the Oceans movies, you know, Oceans, yeah, some, some of you, yeah, they're they're really good movies, they're about bank heists, and uh, George Clooney, he always gets this this team of, of, um, of criminals together, the very best, he's got Matt Damon in there, he's got Brad Pitt, and they get together and they go and rob banks and they take, and watching those movies, I always think, I kind of want the criminals to get away. I want Brad Pitt to get the $80 million and and escape into the sunrise. And I suppose that's because we think that stealing, well, it's not really as bad as murder or adultery. And yeah, some forms of stealing have become acceptable to us and we don't actually realize they're stealing. So to make this applicable to us, whether you're a Christian here, whether you're not, I wanna look at some ways that each of us steal. And really, when we're honest, they're just ways that we break this commandment. So forbids outright theft and robbery, and it also forbids cheating. Cheating? Well, picture the scene. You're sitting in the cloakrooms at Portdown Down College. It's 1.43 p.m., two minutes until the end of lunch. You have your GCSE, English Literature, controlled assessment coming up in only seven minutes' time. The file block is out. The absolute monstrosity, that is Juno and the Peacock, lies open in front of you. Your pen is at work. Your hand is agony. But you know, if you can write down all the facts you know about or Daily, slip it into the, the blazer, do the, the cheeky switcheroo when you get into class, The marks are secure. Is that stealing? That's not really stealing. Is it? That's kind of just, you know, helping myself. Well, cheating is stealing another person's ideas and it's dishonesty. Cheating our classmates, our teachers, our colleagues shows, according to Paul, that we don't love them or treat them as we want to be treated. And we're actually just harming them. A survey was done a few years ago around cheating in schools in the United States and 80% of students say that they cheat to get good grades. It's not because they didn't bother studying. So that would show that cheating is stealing for our own selfish gain. What cheating says is me, me, me. I'm sure no one in this room would want to be treated by their neighbour in this way because So often when we feel this happening, we feel so defiled, we feel so annoyed. It really gets to us. We feel so wronged. So if you have a cheating problem in school or at work, however big or small that might be, you're breaking the Eighth Commandment. And that is serious. Because as we've seen, cheating is stealing, and God forbids it. This commandment also forbids Gossiping. Again, he'll say, gossiping? What? But let's think about it. Gossiping about other people, made in the image of God, and putting them down in an attempt to make yourself look better is a way of robbing that person of their dignity. We steal by damaging that person's reputation. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says this, Love does not envy or boast. And that's exactly what gossip is. It damages others by taking from them in order to boast about ourselves. And it's not loving. So like cheating, if you have a gossip problem, and I I look at myself here as as well, then you're breaking the Eighth Commandment because gossip is stealing and God forbids it. The last area I want to briefly mention is christian giving this commandment forbids selfish hesitant reluctant giving to god and his church i read a an interesting story during the week and i I thought i i had to include this albert albert uh, talks about this and gives this illustration there was once a woman who had a frozen turkey and she had it for 23 years and was in her, in her freezer for that amount of time. And one day she, she thinks, you know, that turkey, I, I should probably get rid of that. And uh, she phones up the Butterball Hotline and asks, can I eat my 23-year-old frozen turkey? And the man on the other side of the phone says, well, if it's been frozen for 23 years, then you go you go for it. It is edible and you can eat it all you want, but it'll probably taste like cardboard. And on hearing that, the woman said, Ah, that's what I thought. I'll just drop it around to the local church then. That's a silly illustration, but it really nails the point. We steal from God by not giving him everything that we have. We have all the things in the world, cars, money, shoes, clothes, grades, a brain, an imagination, you name it, we have it. And God is the giver and provider of everything. And so when we give, we're actually just giving back to him what he has given us. I don't want you to go tomorrow morning in the church and, and empty your wallet in front of your pastor and, and somehow feel like that, that's doing you know, the world of good. But look at your heart. Does your giving to your local church, whether you have one or not, and if you haven't, I would really encourage you to get one. Does it show that you love yourself and want to promote yourself by keeping? Or does it show that you love your God and his people? Think about that. I really challenge you to think about that. So you've looked at Some different ways of stealing, outright theft and robbery, cheating, gossiping, Christian giving. Think about those things and whether or not you're breaking this commandment. So what then does God require of you? God's word just doesn't command us to stop stealing, but it gives us really clear advice and guidance on what we should do instead This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Follow along. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with those in need. So, three things here stop stealing, work honestly, share with those in need. Stop stealing. Stop stealing, stop taking, stop gossiping, stop withholding. Now that sounds very, very easy. But this command goes a little deeper than just changing our actions. Because how can we expect someone who cheats and steals and takes just to completely turn his life around when reading that? How can you expect that? Remember what we said, stealing is a heart problem. Which says, I don't trust God's provision, and so I need to steal. So, using all your power of self denial to not cheat or take or whatever are all short term changes. I think what Paul means here is let the thief no longer steal by having his heart transformed so that you go for, from not believing, to believing that God will provide for you. Here's one way we can be transformed. By believing the promises of God. If we truly believe that the God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory, in Christ Jesus, none of us would steal none of us would gossip none of us would cheat we would give everything and that is what paul is saying don't steal but be transformed by believing in the promises of god paul continues uh, and he tells us what we should do instead by saying we should do honest work or you should work honestly i know in my life uh, I've been thinking about this during the week stealing cheating gossiping whatever it might be often comes from idleness or laziness selfishness which says I want but I don't want to have to work for it I want but I don't want to have to put in time or effort to have it cheating says I couldn't be bothered studying so instead I'll just steal someone else's thoughts Gossip says, I want to look good, and I can achieve that just by tearing that person down. But work is a gift from God, and he has designed work, not stealing, as the way for his children to have what they need. And so doing honest or useful work to be able to provide and not having to steal is what God requires of each of you and me. I can learn a lot from that. This guy has never worked at his life, and uh, some of you never fail to remind me of that. But be transformed and work honestly. But what is the motivation for work? According to Paul, the motivation for work is to be able to share with those in need. Paul doesn't say, Work so that you can buy yourself lots of nice things and have lots of money and have lots of possessions and a great self-esteem and a comfortable life and whatever else. He says, work so that you can share. As Christians, we should be providing for those who can't provide for themselves, those who genuinely have needs. The world won't share with them. The world is out for itself. And Paul says, that the needy must be provided for by Christians who can do the hard, honest work in order to provide. That is what God requires of you because it demonstrates, as Paul said in Romans, that we love our neighbours and it brings honour to God. It's all well and good, me standing here um, this evening and telling you what to do and what not to do give more, love others, don't take what's not yours, blah, 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 but this is how it is. Your heart is greedy, you're not generous. Your heart is selfish, not selfless. None of us want to give, we want to take. We think that when we have worked hard for something, it belongs to us and how dare that person in need have it we cheat we put others down we don't offer God and his church everything we have every single day each of us break the eighth commandment why is that because our hearts are sinful we dishonor God and his creation and so what we deserve for doing that is death because that is the just penalty for sin So what can you do about that? Three weeks ago, Scott told us about a solution to our anger and it's exactly the same solution this week. The solution is found in Jesus who kept every single one of these commandments absolutely perfectly. And in realizing that you can never measure up to him and in seeing your sinful heart, you need to ask God to forgive you for breaking this commandment. Here's some good news. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. That is the good news. If that is all you remember tonight, you can be forgiven. God is the gracious and generous one, not us. And the greatest example of his generosity comes in probably the most well-known verse in the bible john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life god is the generous one he is rich in mercy and he has given his perfect spotless sinless son to die and to be the penalty for your and my cheating, greed, selfishness, gossiping, stealing, so that we no longer have to die, but instead we can be forgiven and have all the riches and treasures of eternal life. Just as we close, I want to take one minute and tell you about an interaction Jesus had with someone. And if you're not a Christian, this is something for you to really consider. Seriously, this is you need to hear this and you really need to think about it. Jesus is being crucified, and beside him are two thieves who have violated this eighth commandment, and they are deserving of death. That is why they're there. These men are the vilest of the vile. They're guilty. They have spent a full lifetime taking and cheating and dishonoring God and his people. And one of them says to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, forgive me. It's a really desperate cry. This man is about to die. And what does Jesus say to him? Is it, no, you're too vile? Is it, no, you don't deserve saving? Is it, no, you're beyond forgiveness? No. Listen to his response. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief, an absolute violator of this commandment, in a single moment, was forgiven. And Jesus, this evening, offers you that forgiveness. What you have to do See your sin. See what a great and glorious Savior he is. See that you can never measure up to him. You cannot achieve eternal life by yourself. You're not good enough. But instead, trust in him and repent. And he is faithful to forgive you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this commandment. Lord, we've seen how deep it goes and how it cuts into our, our hearts and really asks big questions of us. Lord, we pray that each one of us here would think about it, that we would look at our own, own hearts, we would see how selfish and greedy we are. But Lord, we would see your son, a savior, the solution to our stealing. And Lord, if there are people here this evening who don't know you, Lord, please just come and touch their hearts and show them their their sinfulness but show them how glorious and willing to save you are. In Jesus' name, amen.